I'm Holly. And I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries, Tales from Appalachia. Welcome back. Hello. Hi. Is this the much anticipated part two? It is. This is part two. I am very excited. So just to recap last week, we have this guy, Glenn Barker, Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. was accused and actually convicted of kidnapping and killing Katie Worski, mm-hmm. who was 12 at the time, right? Yes, yes. Um, but there was really no body and, you know, kind of circumstantial evidence. Right. Um, he was given, what, 18? 18 years? 18 years. But served nine? Yep, served nine. Okay. Got out on parole. And turned out before in North Carolina, because this happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, in North Carolina, he had abducted a girlfriend of a friend Mm -hmm. and was going to rape her potentially and she got away so anyway this guy from what it seems has a history (laughs) i remember last week you saying something about he went down like college row and was like looking for women yeah that's so creepy just kind of creepy so i guess his legend continues and we're gonna dive in um and these kind of these happened before Katie's case. Okay, so prior to 1982. Yes, okay. not much prior, but prior mm. to. Okay. Um. Yes. So. And then one happened after. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So we'll get into that. Um. How was your week, though? Oh, we like. We just, so I was like, we jump right in. I just wanted to check on you, make sure you're okay. Oh no, I'm okay. Okay, good. <laughs> like, Holly, Holly, are you at peace? Are you Are you well? I am well physically, <laughs> physically, mentally, no, never. But no. well, no. I'm not mentally well because I have agreed <laughs> to do. Um. So tonight, I am going to chaperone a lock-in for fifth graders so she actually had to explain what this was this sounded to me like they were going to prison right we're locking them up in jail over (laughs) no 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 we this is like a reward it's been a really long like it's been a tough year um this is something that their teacher wanted to do it's going to be like a big thing for the fifth grade class they're going to stay overnight at the school there's going to be um, they're going to have Food. dinner and like watch a giant movies. sleepover. Yeah, that actually sounds really fun. A ton of games. Um, if the rain holds off, we may have a bonfire. Do you know, are they going to go to bed late? Like, is it one of those things like they get to stay up till midnight or is it more organized? Like, okay, it's 10 p.m. kiddos, night night. Um, I think the plan is probably like midnight. Wow. We have them in, like, if they're not already like crashed out before then, like, that's when we'll. Um, you Say. know, make sure everybody's where they're supposed to be. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know how much sleep I'm going to get tonight. I was going to say, I wouldn't be able to sleep. I know. I'm going to be, like, worried they're going to leave the building or something. But they won't. They're good kids. And we're just 
the staff that's staying, there's like four or five of us that'll be there um, with the kids and there'll be um, our air mattresses in the hallway kind of between the rooms. It so. sounds a mix of like really fun um, and, you know, also like really exhausting. Yeah, I'm going to probably sleep most of the day tomorrow. I would too. But it's, I think it's I won't really, text you. Right. <laughs> How are those edits coming? I don't know. I don't know. I'm Don't deceased. talk to me. I'm deceased. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Kids do kill you. Yeah. Let me tell you. This is my like dive into parenthood. Fool. <laughs> but they're, I mean, they're older. They're fifth grade. Yeah. So they're 11 like 11 years old. ish. They're about to go to middle school. So they're all really excited. And they're just a good group of kids. I really yeah. like them. They're, yeah. they're neat. Good. They're neat. <laughs> You're super neato, kid. Kid, no, they are. They're great. That's awesome. Okay, so <laughs> now we now we're back, back to all of this jazz <laughs> that we did last week. And, and all here's that part jazz. two. <laughs> all right, I'm ready. All right, so we're going to talk about two other cases that this guy is thought to be involved in. Actually, there may be three. I may be lying. There's, we're going to talk about some cases is sure. what I'm trying to say. Let's go for it. All right. Mm-hmm. On the night of June 17th, 1982, 20-year-old Kelly switched shifts at the gas station with her sister. Kelly had recently enrolled at a local communi- community college, and this is all in Harrisonburg, Pennsylvania, that we are at. Harrisonburg or Harrisburg? Harrisonburg. Okay. So we're in Harrisonburg, Pennsylvania. So smaller than Harrisburg. Gotcha. Kelly's husband, Dale, and their four-year-old daughter dropped her off at work that night. Kelly was described as being very feisty and fearless and had no concerns about working overnight by herself at the station. She was like, I can handle myself. This is fine. Good for her. The gas station was busy on Thursday night, but she was able to call her mom. Uh, She, you know, tried to call her mom, you know, at least once a night, especially when she was working, just to reassure her that, like, hey, I'm okay. Um, You know, things are fine here. All is well. Uh, She ended the call to her mom by saying, you know, good night. See you tomorrow. Around 2.30 a.m., Kelly called 911, asking for police to come by the gas station and check on her. Kelly reported that she had received an obscene phone call at the station and that there had been a man in the store dressed, quote, inappropriately. I don't really know what that means. And it's not really ever said how he was dressed, but he was dressed inappropriately. Um, she also said that she had seen him just kind of driving around the parking lot. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. She called back and told the dispatcher that he was back in the parking lot and that he was driving a silver Ford and that she needed someone to come to the station right now and get rid of him because he yeah. was really freaking her out. The call was then cut off. Oh, my God. The dispatcher recalled saying, you know, that Kelly sounded really, really scared. And for people that knew Kelly, this was not, like, Kelly didn't get scared. Yeah. This was not like her. When police arrived, Kelly was nowhere to be found. Her belongings were untouched and still in the store. Police called Kelly's mom, who woke her other daughter the one Kelly had switched shifts with, and they headed to the gas station. Once there, Kelly's sister stated that the scene seemed just really unorganized. Apparently, the information that Kelly was being harassed by someone at the gas station did not get passed along to the officers that responded. 
So I don't what? know how it was dispatched. Like, I've heard things come across being dispatched as, like, you know, a certain code or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it may not say in the report what was happening or, you know, it came across as, like, you know, welfare check or, right. um, you know, possible disturbance or whatever right. at this address or location. And there's not always that accompanying information to go along with it. So those officers didn't realize what had happened. Her family noticed that Kelly's car was not in the gas station parking lot, and police started to assume, you know, that she had left in her own car. It was not until her husband arrived that he told them, you know, Kelly had been dropped off, so her car was never here. So she didn't have a car. Gotcha. Detectives were confident that they were dealing with an abduction at that point, that someone had taken Kelly. Yeah. She was not the type to have just left, especially without her daughter. Kelly had gotten pregnant at 15, so she was a really young mom, and got married shortly after. Um, But she appeared happy with her life and her marriage. Um, She was very happy with her husband. No reason Um, to run away. No, and she loved being a mom. That was like her. She was a great mom. She was, that was like, you know, you meet people who are like born to be a mom. Yeah. Like that was Kelly. So, like, there was no concerns, really. I mean... Your mom. She's, like, born to be a mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That kind of thing. So, detectives theorized that someone could have pulled their vehicle, you know, right up to the door, because the way the gas station was kind of laid out, Mm. um, and could have gotten her in the car through the front door. Kelly was a tough girl and would have definitely put up a fight if someone had tried just to grab her like yeah. she wouldn't have gone willingly and they Maybe believe whoever it was must have had some type of weapon yeah like held a gun to her or even you know held something against her mouth or maybe some kind of like something yeah. that kind of knocked her out yeah i don't know. So, you know something happened there yeah after news got out about kelly's abduction a clerk at another convenience store called in and said that someone had been lurking and hanging out in their parking lot about a half hour before Kelly went missing. He described the man as being in his early 20s with shoulder-length blonde hair, and he was driving a gray car. Mm-hmm. However, this wasn't really enough for police to go on. Like, this was a common color car. There were a ton of people in their early 20s that, you know... Was driving Chevy. ...fit that description. Yeah. Kelly's sister shared with police that it was not uncommon for them to receive harassing phone calls when they were working alone at night that it was just kind of something that par for the course happened there's you know a young woman working alone people calling in it's really scary it's scary and it's gross and it's awful yes but it was something unfortunately they were pretty used to however after kelly was abducted the call stopped so there's theories was like war the call for along. Kelly or was it you know they found out someone had been abducted there so the random people you know if it was multiple people calling in decided hey I better not do that or I'm going to be considered a suspect. Yeah. So kind of could go either way. Yeah. Makes sense. Detectives didn't have much in the ways of evidence and actually brought in a psychic which They've been bringing... I know, there's so many psychics. Always, Always like, a psychic. 
he is down by the river in a you know near a like body of water near a body of water shallow yeah. grave yeah yeah apparently the psychic didn't help much they don't even put in what the psychic said <laughs> in the article i read that would be like if you hired me yeah I'm, like, you know like holly I'm probably where is water. it i'm like i don't know probably on a mountain well we live in the mountains yeah good luck yeah. good luck <laughs> <laughs> Kelly's parents told reporters that they believe they knew who was responsible for Kelly's abduction and that it was a man who had attended high school with Kelly. However, this person has never formally been named and it's unclear if police really ever looked into him. Apparently, though, the man did have a criminal record for both indecent exposure and for making obscene phone calls. So that's a strong possibility. Yeah. The family has had a lot of critique regarding the investigation, stating that they do not believe police responded quickly enough to Kelly and that the gas station was never actually shut down to be treated like a crime scene. Hmm. So, like, they didn't even close the station for a day to go through and look for things. Like, they just decided there was nothing there and just reopened it the next day. It's pretty quick. Like, I, I'm sorry, but we need to make money, so. Yeah. But, to be fair... <laughs> I've heard in even in more recent times, you know, because they're like, well, it is a business. So we need to like clean up, keep on going. Yeah. You know, it's so pretty that's gross. just so gross to me. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awful. Kelly's family does not believe that Kelly is still alive. Um, yeah. But they do want answers as to what happened to her. Kelly's daughter is now an adult and has a child of her own. Wow. And, you know, talks about how tragic it is that her mom couldn't be a grandma and that her kid doesn't get that experience. That does break your heart. It that does. She didn't get to live to see, because she was such a good mom. I'm yeah. sure she'd have been a great, I know. wonderful She's grandma, wonderful. you know. Yeah. Oh, it's the worst. So, how does Glenn Barker tie into all this? Because it doesn't really sound like him. This crime happened 70 miles away from Charlottesville, Virginia. In the months that followed, news reports claimed that Barker, who did sometimes drive a Ford, had been seen painting his car in the days after Kelly disappeared. Really? Barker says that police ruled him out, though, as a suspect because he was at a family reunion where relatives verified that, you know, he was there. Hmm. However, Barker had been in trouble for indecent exposure and for making harassing phone calls before. If it looks like a duck. Right. Quacks like a duck. <laughs> you know, I don't know. One of Kelly's friends actually traveled to Charlottesville every day of the 1983 trial for Katie Worski. She came every single day. And they thought, you know, it's 70 miles. I mean, it's a haul, but it's not that far. No. And, I mean, if you look at a timeline, yes, you can be at the family reunion, but you could also have left. Right. And gone to do this. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next one here. We're going to talk about Paula Jean Chandler. The night after Kelly Dove disappeared, Paula Jean Chandler, who was 18, was finishing her shift at a Charlottesville, Virginia restaurant. Paula was a small woman with strawberry blonde hair 
and she had recently graduated from Albemarle High School and was working at El Cabrito's, not, can't speak Spanish, uh, Mexican <laughs> restaurant for the summer. Yeah. After work, Paula was going to hang out with a coworker at his apartment to watch TV. Two days later, her body was found by a fisherman near the dam at the Ravana Reservoir. Oh. Yeah. Paula had water in her lungs and had suffered at least two head wounds from blood force trauma. The front page of the Daily Progress had a large photo of a sheriff's deputy pulling on the arm of Paula's corpse while she was still partially submerged. Oh. It was printed. And the reporter I read an interview with him said, you know, he did receive a ton of slack for that, like, printing that photo. Yeah. But he said he thought... You know, it was worth it because he did have people call in that said, you know, my kids saw that and now they understand why I'm so protective or say, you know, you can't go do this or right. like this because what could happen. So it's kind of a, you That's know. a very hard, like. Yeah, hard like, lesson there. Right. Yeah. Pretty in your face. Yeah, very much so. The man that Paula was going to meet that night was 19-year-old Michael Curry. And he stated that Paula had come over and they had watched the movie Stripes. It's a comedy, apparently. I've never seen it. Me neither. He then said that he had dropped her back off at her car at the restaurant around 3 a.m. He stated that he had not stayed to watch her leave the parking lot, so he didn't know what had happened. So apparently he, like, dropped her off and left. Mm. Didn't make sure she got to her car or anything like that. That is not gentlemanly. That is not a good friend. (laughs) Yes. Be a good friend. Don't, you know, make sure they're good. Yes. Police suspected Curry immediately. I mean, how could you not? Yeah. They searched his apartment and found one of Paula's shoes. Her other shoe had still been on her body when it was found in the reservoir. So he was arrested. So the thought being Mm. that something had probably happened there. He hit her going to take her body out dragging her or something like that she lost a shoe he didn't realize it kind of thing however no one that knew michael believed that he could have killed paula just too nice a guy he was a nice guy who doesn't walk you to your door but whatever but like nobody really was like yeah this guy i mean because you know you kind of hear the stories of you know, like, oh, yeah, I could see it. Like, it's definitely that guy. Yeah, like, I mean, he, he fits the mold. Like, he's right. always kind of a creep. Yeah. You know? That was not this guy. But, I mean, you do have people who've been convicted of serious crimes who didn't mm-hmm. seem like that guy because they were charming and they, like, fit all the, you know, people mm-hmm. thought they were so nice. Yep. So, Coven mm. Flynn, who was the manager at the restaurant, um, he was 18 years old and was the manager of the restaurant. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. <laughs> said that he suspected Glenn ba- Barker and was frustrated that police had not looked into him further. Okay. Flynn suspected Barker because Paula had said that she had received a call from another man that evening at the restaurant. He thinks this might have been someone she was planning to meet after hanging out with Curry. Flynn also said that at the time of her death, or the time of death, was based on food that they had found in her stomach. 
So they had estimated her time of death. I'd never really said what the time of death was. Mm-hmm. But Flynn says that she ate dinner at the restaurant, but the food they had found in her stomach was not anything they served at the restaurant. Meaning that the time of death could have been even later than they originally suspected. Because they were saying, oh, she has this food in her stomach, so we're basing it, like, the level of digestion or whatever, we're basing it off the time that she had dinner at the restaurant. But they're like, hey, this is not food that we serve here. So And it already passed through her system, the food that she had ate there, so later on she ate something. And then that was what was in her stomach. So it could have moved the time of death even later than 3 a.m., don't you always wonder, like, if they looked at what our stomach contents were? Right now, it would be nothing. <laughs> I had some would be overnight oats nothing. and some coffee. I had some coffee this morning, and yeah. I think that's what I'm rolling on right now. <laughs> like, Die of starvation. Yes, no. that was it. <laughs> All right. So, Barker apparently lived just a mile from the restaurant. Oh. And Paula lived very close to where Katie Worski disappeared from. Barker has denied, you know, even knowing who Paula was, though. He's like, I don't even know this girl. But if you're making crank calls, like, wouldn't you be specifically calling for Paula, like, if you're taunting her? Right. Because, like, somebody else would answer the phone, you know? Like, Skippity Joes, this is John, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So this is kind of a, I think this one's a little bit more far-fetched, but just kind of shows that, like... Anytime they can tie this guy to something. Well, I mean, it it seems familiar. You know what I mean? And he was in the area. Yes. It's not that far off or that far-fetched. The evidence discovered in Curie's house, though, was ruled um, inadmissible due to the police having told Curie that he was not... They did not tell Curie that he was a suspect when they came to check the apartment, which I guess triggered certain, like, rights... a person has if they're being considered a suspect or something. Mm. I don't really know how that works. Um, So Curie allowed them to enter his apartment without a warrant. So anything that they found and took. They can use against him. Yes. Yeah. Which you can't do apparently without a warrant. Yeah. Without the shoe as evidence, the case, you know, fell apart. The Albemarle police, though, do consider the case to be closed due to them believing that they had the right person all along with Curie. Which, you know, if he didn't do this, like, it pretty much ruined his life. I'm sure. Yeah. So. But then, you know, if he did do it, wouldn't you think that he would be likely to do it again? Right? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. All right. We got one more to talk about. Okay. Cynthia and Heather Johnson. So we're Sisters? kind of mother and daughter. Mother and daughter. Okay. Yep. So we're kind of moving on, moving on out in the time. timeline here. Yeah. We're in 1996 now. Okay, we've moved a lot. Mm-hmm. On August 29th of 1996, firefighters discovered the body of Cynthia Johnson, who was 34, dead in the family room of her home in Richmond, Virginia. They also found seven-year-old Heather in her bedroom at the front of the house. Around seven different fires had been set around the home. Wow. Neither Cynthia or Heather had died from smoke inhalation. Interesting. Sheriff C.T. Woody, who was an officer at the time um, of the crime, said that it was, you know, a horrific scene. And that while he could not or would not comment on their injuries, he stated that they had appeared ritualistic. 
So that it was just a really gruesome scene. Yeah. Police quickly focused in on Glenn Barker. Police stated that Barker had dated Cynthia and that things had not ended well between the two of them. Sheriff Woody stated that Cynthia was in the process of trying, you know, to get away from Barker. You know, whatever that was, whatever that looked like. Cynthia had recently been on vacation with another man that she was seeing, which apparently really pissed off Barker. Interesting. Yeah. Police stated that when photos of the body were shown to Barker, he responded with no emotion. Which is not great. Which, I mean, you never know how somebody's going to respond. That's true. But you'd think if this was someone that you had cared about, you know, even... You would be like, oh, God, don't show that to me. I'm right, and, and especially of a child. Yeah. And a child you had known. Like, that's... Not great. That's terrifying. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. I, I don't like that. Gross. I don't like that. I don't. So, police were unable to find any evidence... Why is this with everything tied to Barker? They're like, oops, well, no evidence. Whoops, no. It's like this guy keeps sort of going under the radar, you know, like, or getting away with something. Yep. Feels like. So, yep, there was no evidence that Mm. Barker was at the scene. Nothing. Barker has never been charged in this case. Of course not. He maintained that he was innocent in the case. He did share, though... That the night that Cynthia and Heather died, Cynthia had called him and asked him to come over. Which, like, really? I don't... If she's trying to get away from you... Why would she call you to right, come over? Right, you're pissed off about everything. About the other guy? Yeah, why would she call you to I come mean, over? and just the fact that he was jealous over the other guy gives him motive right. to do something. yeah. He states, though, that he declined the offer. Right. Yeah. Again, he's pissed off. Why would you not go over there to... Like, have it out. Right. He would have. You would think. Yeah. No. This is not real. Barker said that he wished he had gone over, though, and said that he would have either, you know, been dead or have been able to prevent what had happened. Was kind of his, like, thing. Someone who had already committed all these other crimes and been convicted of murder Mm -hmm. you know 14 years earlier 13 years earlier is such a stand-up guy right it's like oh if i'd have been there i'd have been able to i would have protected her because that's the kind of guy i am i don't kill young children right Hmm. and so there's a part of me that is like i think he's responsible for this one and katie the other two, I don't know, but maybe. Yeah. But then there's another part of me that's like, was this guy just a convenient, like, Scapegoat? he's kind of creepy. Yeah. Sounds like. I mean, he's, is this just the worst case of being at the wrong place at the wrong time? Potentially. Because and there's no solid evidence no. in any of these. And, I mean, it would make sense that someone has read about this and then, you know, knows he lives in the area and commits crimes and then you would feel like, yeah, well, he'll be the scapegoat. They'll blame him, you know, so I can get away with this. And he was actually, you know, under suspicion in the case of the Lisk girls. We talked about them. Oh, yeah. 
And, of course, it ended up not being him. It was that right. guy who, I can't remember his name now, and I don't even care what his name is, <laughs> but that drove to Florida and killed himself and right. that guy. Yeah. So it ended up not even being Barker right. in that case. So is this, you know, I think that there definitely needs to be some more looking into this because if it wasn't him, we need to figure out who the heck it was. That's still out there. I agree. And, and if it was, then... Barker's dead now, right? Didn't yes. he die in, like, 2014 mm-hmm. or something? He's dead, so... So... He maintained his innocence to the grave. Hmm. And he had spent, like, the remainder of his years in New Jersey or something like that, so... Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's just all very weird. weird. Weird yeah, and weird. Yeah, but that is part two. Wow. That's and just like more. Oh my I know. Gosh. It's very weird. It's either the most like elaborate conspiracy. Or he done it. Or he done it. Yeah. And I don't gosh. know. I don't know either. That stinks. <laughs> it sure does. Well, listen, if you want to share your conspiracy theories with us <laughs> and, you know, your thoughts on this case, was it him? Was it not him? Did somebody try and frame him? Please let us know. Um, you can do so by emailing us at mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can also message us via Facebook at uh, Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia. You also find us on Instagram at mountainmysteries.appalachia. And last but not least, support us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash mountain mysteries. Thanks. Um, we have a quick shout out for <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Hydro, Oklahoma. Oh, I is there a lot of water there? I would hope so. I, I hope so. It says hydro. Come on. Oklahoma. I love Oklahoma. Yeah. Oh, it's great. All right, y'all. Well, we will see you next week. I'll bring you uh, some uh, Appalachian phrases. Ooh, that'll yeah, be fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a little different than our normal. It's going to be a little blue. different, um, but super duper fun. Yeah. So get us a little bit out of the murder. I'm about to say, after two weeks of a pretty horrific crime. Yeah, let's. We Let's need to take a break light, and it lighten it up a little. Bit. So <laughs> join us for that next week and we'll see you then. All right. Bye. Bye.